Are your resolutions setting you up for failure? We talk with Jan Stanley on how to make better resolutions for the new year on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings once again. Welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston, saying thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world or however you may be listening. We're just thrilled that you're making us a part of your day and thrilled that more of you are starting to make Live Happy Magazine a part of your day. It's available on newsstands everywhere. You can also subscribe. they got the little things that fall out of the magazines. Yeah, you can write your address on those and put some money in there and we'll just send the magazine right to your house fun. We can also send it right to your smartphone or your tablet. We've got a digital edition of the magazine that is available in both the Apple Store and the Google Play Store, so you can take it with you wherever you go, and there's always fun little stuff in the magazine. We've got little themes sometimes that we like to expand on here on the podcast. It's really worth picking up, so please do so. Well, the new year is almost upon us, and a lot of us are going to be making resolutions to, well, a lot of us are going to be making resolutions to get into better shape, but some of us are going to want to read more, or we're going to want to travel more, or we're going to work on our tempers, or something like that. But sometimes we set goals that are entirely too lofty and set ourselves up for failure. Jan Stanley is a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania's Master of Applied Positive Psychology program, where she's seen as an expert on using ceremony and ritual to enhance daily well-being. Now, Jan's well-versed in the practical side of change and is adept at finding just the right tool or system or method or what have you to enhance performance or to find joy and meaning in all that we do. And our science editor and good friend, Paula Phelps, got a chance to talk with Jan Stanley, and this was their conversation. So, Jan, I'm really glad that you could join us today because... As we know, this is a time of year when people are thinking about resolutions for the new years and we're setting goals. So I think a great starting point is to talk about the difference between a resolution and a goal. Great. That's a great way to start, Paula. So when you think about the word resolution, it means to resolve or to make a commitment to agree to do something, which is great. But sometimes we resolve to do something and we fail in spite of our good intentions. We didn't have a clear pathway for success lined up in advance. So that's where goals can come in and where goals are more specific and helpful than a resolution. So a goal can help turn an intention or a resolution into action. It can help us define our desired outcomes and the action steps that we'll need to actually get somewhere to help us arrive at success. So there's a psychologist named Rick Snyder who developed something called hope theory. And in his theory, having a goal, a specific goal, having pathways to accomplish that goal, and believing in your own ability to get the job done are all key ingredients for success. So really, when you think about it, goals take resolutions to the next level. 
So it's basically a, a goal is like a resolution with a business plan. Is that kind of I what they? I love that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's right. It gives you the steps and the timelines that you need to make sure that you're staying on track. And and we're pretty well versed in making resolutions during this time of year, but we don't really think about how to set goals. Um, so can you kind of explain why it's important to your brain? Like what, what happens in your brain when you set a goal and how does it react differently than when you set a resolution? Oh, that's so interesting. So when you think about it, um, psychologists who have studied the brain um, found that there are really two networks within our brain. The two networks don't operate in sync with one another. One network looks outward, kind of scanning our environment as we go about our daily living, and that network is on duty much of the time. But the other network, which they call the default network, uh, helps us to look inward and to reflect on our lives. So this is a helpful way for us to go about setting up a goal. So when we think about it from uh, the neuroscience perspective, basically we're reflecting on our lives and using this default network to bring forward our core beliefs and our values, those underlying principles on which we build our lives. So sometimes when we reflect, we assess ourselves as doing well in a number of value areas. For example, let's say that you have a job that you like, that you're successful at, you are providing well for your family, and maybe you have strong friendships, positive friendships going on in your life. But maybe there's another value when you're using this default network in your brain that you realize you're falling short. So it might be something like, uh, your health and vitality, or it might be contributing to your community, giving back, so to speak. So there might be gaps there. The default network in our brain can help us identify these value gaps, and then those are the things that are right for goal setting. So that's sort of the first phase of how we use our, our brains to help us kind of identify what are important priorities and what steps can we take to set goals in that area. And and one of the things I know that you and I have talked about goal setting previously, and you talk about being very specific. And can you kind of explain how specific do we need to be in setting a goal and why does it matter? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the real keys to success. So when you think about today, so much multitasking and distraction, and it's so easy to lose sight of our goals, even a goal you set for yourself in the morning, by the evening, you may have lost sight of it just because of I, all I the can things. lose it by lunch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Specificity can help keep us on track. And many coaches, I'm one of them, still rely on the, the age-old tried-and-true acronym of SMART goals, which means specific goals, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Um, so if you think about a resolution... So going back to your first question, and let's say we resolve to learn Spanish in the coming year. If that's as far as we take it, the weeks and months can go by, and before we know it, it's December. So if we look at it more specifically, um, using that kind of smart model or just becoming more specific, maybe we find our goal really is to volunteer at the local uh, literacy center where we help Spanish-speaking people learn English. Or maybe we have a completely different goal. Maybe our goal is to um, go on a pilgrimage, hiking the Camino de Santiago across Spain. So that would be the trip of a lifetime. Those two goals both 
um, have Spanish in common, but they're very different, and they require very different levels of fluency and preparation. So the more specific we can be about our goals, the better we can be at defining the actionable steps. And that's really interesting. And as you get specific, how important is it for people to write things down? I know that there are some people who will set, you know, they, they say, oh, well, I've set these goals, and you ask them what they are, and they kind of have to think about it. <laughs> um, you know, so, so in terms of writing it down, putting it in front of you, how important is that? And, and kind of can you give us a picture of what that looks like and, and how we can go about doing that? Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the things that is a key to actually making the goal come to life is having accountability. And some of that accountability happens within our own self, so we can be accountable to ourselves. And that's where writing goals down, maybe integrating some of the steps that will take us toward that goal into our habits or into our routines so that we're shifts away. We're doing little activities each and every day that keep that goal in front of us. Each day we're making progress. So I have an accountability partner that I use for one of the goals I'm working toward, and I know at the end of the day if I have to text him or email him about the progress I've made, even five minutes a day can help me move forward toward my goal. And so it's that writing it down, keeping accountable, um, and using small steps that can be really important in being successful. And how do you go about finding someone who, to be your accountability partner? Because, like, I know maybe you you can use a spouse, but sometimes that can be touchy if, if you have to be, you know, one of them has to be accountable to the other and you feel like, why are you checking up on me? Um, so how do you go about that? How do you select an accountability partner and, and kind of set up that dynamic? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, Sometimes it's just kind of a natural course of a friendship that you know someone else is working toward a similar goal, and you can ask them, hey, would you want to check in with each other regularly as part of our, you know, making sure that we succeed on our goal? So just using kind of your current uh, social network, the real live social network, not necessarily the online one, although I think that could work too, um, using your friendships. Sometimes you may have someone that you want to get to know better or someone who you admire, someone who you think, wow, look at all they've accomplished in the past couple of years. And you can just reach out to them and ask them, say what you're working on and ask them if they would have any interest in becoming an accountability partner. And the fun thing is you can do that with people who you're working towards similar goals. So it might be um, daily exercise. It might be that you're writing a book or something you have in common or you can find accountability partners and you're working on completely different goals, goals that have nothing to do with one another, but just that process of checking in with one another, building that connection can be so helpful in um, seeing that progress happen. That's really interesting because, yeah, I would think you'd, I would gravitate toward doing having somebody who's doing the same thing, but I like that idea of having someone who's doing something very different because that's going to also open our brains up to different ways of thinking and seeing something as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a theory called, um, in a positive psychology of connections, called bonding and bridging. And the bonding aspect of building connections is finding kind of like-minded people or people who have similar interests who are doing the same kind of work or have children the same age, for example, and building bonds within that common group. 
But then there's also bridging, which is another form of connection, which is looking for people who aren't necessarily part of the, you know, the group that you have of kindred spirits and looking for ways that you can bridge what you're doing to the type of work or the type of um, social activities that they're involved in. And both can be very successful at helping us um, build, achieve new goals. That's terrific. And I know another thing that you've talked about being very, very important with achieving our goals and reinforcing them is visualization. And yes. can you talk a little bit about, um, it's kind of a twofold question, is why is it so important? And then can you kind of walk us how, through how we can, can do that visualization process? Yeah, absolutely. So on the neuroscience side of things, we try very carefully to state what the current findings are without overstating them because sometimes people can get ahead of themselves. But one thing we do know about neuroscience is that our brains release uh, the neurotransmitter dopamine when we experience reward. So if we're successful at something, if we uh, win a race, if we finish a project, we get a little bit of a dopamine rush in our brains. And that's a kind of a feel-good emotion. It causes us to be happy and to uh, continue on. It's like building a winning streak. And so... When you think about, um, so we get that when we actually achieve rewards, it turns out we can get that same kind of dopamine success or dopamine rush when we visualize ourselves having successes. So that's a pretty interesting finding when you think about it. So we don't actually have to have the success to experience that dopamine rush. We can just think about it and visualize it. Now, of course, if we only visualize it, the effect would wear off over time because we're not making progress. But it so is you're saying, like, I can't, like, think about running a race and not do it, and, and I'll probably be fine? <laughs> and <laughs> like, never I won again. <laughs> exactly. No. No, we have to look at the real world, too. Uh, okay. <laughs> we can use that visualization as a, way, as a way to kind of boost our commitment level. So one of the validated activities that's around that has been used for quite a number of years now, actually, yeah, quite a number, more than 10 years, is called the Best Future Self, and it's a writing process of visualization that was first offered by uh, psychologist Laura King at the University of Missouri, and the idea is to write for 20 minutes, four consecutive days on how you see yourself in a positive future. So you're thinking about things like what are you doing, who are you with, uh, where are you living, how are you spending your time, that sort of thing. And you can add nuance to it. You can look at that in different types of context if you want to. But at the end of those four days, you will have begun to create this visualized future for yourself that you can then use to build those specific goals and take the action steps to complete the run or, you know, to do whatever it is that is in your own visualization. Because what is it our brain is processing? How is it that, I I know I've heard people talk about if you want a car, you know, a certain car, you imagine how that steering wheel feels in your hand and, you know, the smell and the leather and you do all those things. What is going on in your brain to make it respond so strongly? So there is a saying in the field of neuroscience that um, when it comes to kind of shaping our brains, hardwiring our brains for uh, success or for increased performance, that um, what fires together wires together. And so when you think about having a specific 
specific goal, the more concrete we can make that, the more elements that we can bring together to kind of fire together within our brains. We have these concrete, concrete images that we're actually building circuits. We're actually hardwiring our brains for making those connections in the future. And you can actually work those into your goals then um, about the very specific type of car that you see yourself driving or the type of job that you want to have. And having all that criteria, all those criteria in advance can be a really helpful tool in helping you achieve the goal at a later time. That's so interesting. Our brains are so much more complex than we can ever address here. (laughs) They really are, Paula. And I would just add one thing, and that is um, I've heard more than one psychologist and or neuroscientist say that probably the most um, critical finding of all of the neuroscience, all of the brain science that has gone on in the last couple of decades is brain plasticity meaning that we can actually change our brains. We can change the way we see things. We can change the way we think about things. And um, it's often said that it's not so much what happens to us, but how we think about what happens to us Mm -hmm. that really help us shape the future. So using, building on that neuroplasticity and really looking for ways to hardwire our brain um, toward success, toward goal achievement, can just be critical in achieving the things that we want to get out of life. And it really is empowering when I hear you talk and to look at what, how much control we have over how we respond to situations. And, you know, we're talking about setting a goal and planning for success, but why is it also important that we plan for obstacles? Definitely. It's so important. Um, So it's not just, Um, looking ahead at the hopes and dreams that we have. But we know in life, any of us who've lived long enough, we know that there will be setbacks that happen that are just kind of daily, ordinary setbacks, and sometimes we face even bigger setbacks. And how we react to those can be very important. So in terms of goal setting, there's a field of research that has gone by um, Gabrielle Ettinger and her colleague Gullwitzer that have looked at a process for identifying obstacles as we set our goals. So we look at what it is that we want to achieve, and they say that identifying potential obstacles and the workarounds that we'll use to overcome them is critical to success. And they've done these studies with uh, students with education, so looking at preparing for tests or um, taking classes, and also with other types of goals in organizational concepts. And what they say is identifying kind of anticipated obstacles. So some things are going to happen that you can anticipate, obviously, but they focus on the ones that we know might happen. So if you think about the idea of um, 10,000 steps every day, so that's a goal that a lot of people will use if they have a Fitbit or other kind of uh, technology to track their activity during the day. So let's say you know that's your goal, 10,000 steps each day, and you know that you can easily accomplish that if you walk to and from work or school each day and add in just a little bit extra brief activity during the day. Then you're going to hit 10,000 steps every day. But you know that there will be some days when you are not able to walk to school or work. You need your car for some reason. And so that's when um, Ettingen and Galwitzer say you bring in the if-then statement. 
So if I have to drive to work, then I'll walk during my lunch hour to make up the steps that I'll need to to reach my goal of 10,000 steps. Or if I haven't recorded 10,000 steps when I arrive home, then I'll go for a brief run before dinner to ensure that I make my goal. And it's so critical to have these if-then statements and to think these obstacles through in advance because otherwise we get home, we realize, oh, didn't meet my goal for the day, and we don't have like a pre-thought through, a preconceived strategy for what we're going to do about it. And that's really when we start blowing it, for lack of a better term, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. come home and, and say you were going to, you've set this goal of eating healthy so you can lose weight or, or feel better, and it's like, well, I had a milkshake for dinner, so I might as well have french fries and a Big Mac for for, you know, my midnight snack. We really start throwing things out the window when we miss these little steps. You're exactly right, Paula. And so that's where planning for those anticipated obstacles, we know that throughout the course of 365 days, one of those lunches, we're going to have more food than we planned for, or we're going to do fewer steps than we planned for. But if we think it through in advance, we can to come up with a plan to overcome it. It's also where the accountability partner can be helpful, too. So if you're in daily or weekly communication with your accountability partner, they can help you. Maybe they'll be more compassionate for you than you would be for yourself and say, you know what, that wasn't your best choice. That wasn't your shining moment, but there's still eight hours left in the day. So how can we reshape it to a way to get get us back on track? That's terrific. And you've given us a lot to think about and and you pretty well armed us with um, a plan for going forth and being able to set goals and, and be more effective in reaching them. Can you give us three things that we can start doing today when it comes to setting our new goals? Yes. So there's some, first of all, there's some fun new research out of the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania on fresh start. So the new year is one of those fresh starts that we can really leverage and take advantage of. Other fresh starts are smaller. They might be the beginning of a month. They might be Monday morning. But um, the research says these timestamps, or as they call it, temporal landmarks, can really be favorable for us in setting our goals and sticking to them. So if this year you're thinking of a new resolution, you're committed to writing a goal, making it specific, think about the timestamp of the new year, but then think about future milestones or future timestamps that you can use to help recommit to your goal maybe each week or each morning. However, you can work in a way to automate or habituate that recommitment process. That would be really helpful. Use the power of fresh start. Secondly... You can focus your energy on what you can control. So there's a theory called self-determination theory, which is one of the big theories of individual motivation. And the first element in that theory is called autonomy. So autonomy means that in any given goal arena, there will be aspects of it that are in our control and there will be aspects of it that are outside of our control. So if it's a work-related goal, some of the things that we can control would be our own um, schedules to some extent, uh, how we choose to go about working. If it's something at home, it would be, you know, our environments at home, some of that we have control over. 
So a second thing would be to really focus your energy for goal setting and goal commitment on what you can control. And there will be things you can't control, but you've got to focus on the ones that you can and plan around the ones that you can't. So that would be another thing. I would also say um, when it comes to goal commitment, you can do a mid-action review followed by course correction. So I've worked a lot with leaders in the, in the Army, and they call it after-action review. We're calling it a mid-action review <laughs> and course correction. So as you're going about working on your goal uh, toward your uh, success, you can ask yourself, what's working well? What can I build on? And also ask, what is it that, that's getting in my way? What's sidetracking me, and how can I prevent it from happening again? So this is where the great research um, on grit from Angela Duckworth and others and perseverance can come in. So we need that energy to make the goal in the first place and to plan out our action steps, but we'll need just as much energy, energy to continue to commit to it on a daily and weekly basis. Excellent. Well, so now we can all sit down and write down our goals and, and get going on 2017. And when you think about it, Paula, if you've ever helped a child learn to ride a bike or remember when you learned to ride a bike and remember that expression on the child's face as she took off down the sidewalk, or if you've ever stood at the end line of a marathon and watched the runners come in, they're tired, they're worn out, they're exhausted, but there's a joy really a joy, a deep joy like no other on their faces, that's the kind of sense of accomplishment that's within our reach when we set goals. Um, and all the better if our goals line up with the important priorities in our life. We'll really feel that sense of accomplishment and that deep joy that can come through. If you would like a free sketch note of this episode and a free ebook, Fresh Start, The Science and Practice of Designing Your Days, you can get that at livehappynow.com. And we encourage you to do so while you're online to let us know what you thought of this episode or maybe even tell us about something you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. We'll take all suggestions. Plus, we may even read your letter here on the podcast and get to know our listeners a little bit better. You can find us on Twitter at livehappy, facebook.com slash livehappy, or that email address I talked about podcast at livehappy.com. Don't forget to join us next week as Paula Phelps will be back and we'll be creating the perfect exercise playlist with Paula Phelps. She joins us again. It's a Paula heavy end of 2016. That'll make it great, right? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm J.R. Houston saying so long and thank you for helping us to live happy.